Want to advertise big and build massive brand authority at the same time? It's easier than you think. Open Display by AdSymbol lets you advertise on digital billboards nationwide. Just go to OpenDisplay.com for a free account to get started. This is the Ad Hero Podcast. The podcast that reveals marketing tips, trends, and techniques by industry experts, insiders, and influencers. For years, AdSymbol has helped businesses develop and launch campaigns to amplify their message, establish authority, and earn their lion's share of the market. This podcast will help you design and supercharge your plan to make an impact with valuable lessons you can apply in your business today. To get more information or start now, visit adsymbol.com. That's A-D-S-E-M-B-L-E dot com. Let's get started. Greetings, fellow heroes. I'm Arish Rivers here Matthew. with uh, you. Yeah. Oh, my bad. Matthew <laughs> and I'm Gio Giovanni. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're all back in the same room together. Know, wow. How about that? Inside, what we're calling it, the lab now? Yeah, it's the ad hero podcast. It's the lab, the laboratory. I did Not the that. studio, the lab. The yeah, lab. That, has a better, that has a better flavor to it. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, well, anyways, I'm, I'm super stoked uh, for our guest today. Um, say hello, Seth. Hey there. Hey there. Yeah, so Seth. I'm not in the room. And Seth is not in the room. You're in Vegas today? I am in Vegas. Yeah, I'm at home today. Okay, right on. Uh, so everybody listening, Seth Udoff is a founder of UD Factory. He's a TEDx speaker, music, and entertainment producer, and self-described, uh, help me if I say this wrong, Italophile, right? Which is somebody who's uh, with a self or with a love and uh, appreciation yeah. for all things Italian. I, I am a fan. I'm a fan of Italy. <laughs> right on. You know, uh, Matthew, you know, you guys are... You guys share a pretty good bloodline to Italy, no? Yes. Right? See, si, you're sono Italiano. Gino's got to be Italian. I mean, you yeah, yeah. But now she takes the cake. Right on. Uh, you, you guys know who else is Italian, actually? Who? Actually, it's kind of a low-hanging fruit thing. Like, the Punisher is Italian. I did not know oh, that. Oh, you mean the John Berthal? Oh, well, both. Both the characters. Frank Castle is Italian. Uh, John Berenthal is... Well, you know, John Berenthal, he's... And I actually wrote this down. Let me see if I can get this right. He's, and Seth, you might be able to help me on this, Ashkenazi Jewish. Hmm. It's, it's like a Jewish diaspora population that like kind of coalesced uh, during the Holy Roman Empire, kind of near the end of the You're doing well. I'm a nerd, Totally, dude. totally um, lost. <laughs> totally lost. But I do want to say that I saw Gino post something the other day, since we're just jumping flat out into the uh, banter section of the show here. I saw Gino post something I thought was pretty cool. Uh, someone put up a billboard relevant to our business, obviously, promoting to bring Daredevil back. That's oh, yeah. Right. So that. what's that about? So there is a coalition that uh, – <laughs> ah, 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 That is uh, – I, I believe it's in New York. And they have done a huge campaign and uh, to try to save the – show that was on netflix called daredevil and or marvel's uh, daredevil and what they did was they they got together a online group they printed out a bunch of different styles of t-shirts you can get all different styles of, of colors too 
and it's uh, the hashtag is Save Daredevil. They also did billboard campaigns inside New York City's Times Square. Wow. They did at least two billboards. That is a serious All effort right for, there. for Daredevil. All this that for Daredevil. It's be yeah, following. and I was finally... I mean, you were a fan of the show. Oh, right? I'm still a fan of the show, <laughs> and, and the, okay. you know, like... Basically, the to to sum it all up, uh, Netflix decided to take down or cancel all the Marvel shows um, because of Disney Plus. You know, because they're going to be a direct competitor, yeah. and uh, and so Lame. everyone's just kind of like, well, what the heck? And then there was rumors that. Um, eventually Marvel Studios will get the characters and reboot them all and the people are like no we want you finally got it right you finally got the stories right you finally got the characters right you finally got the actors right don't change a thing and so now the rumor is is that things won't get changed and the shows will probably go on to either FX or Hulu wow yeah maybe really? that, that's, the, that's the rumor and uh, it works too because now Disney owns both those networks uh, that sounds like an that's, that, that's dirty. Is dude. that a live update right now? Is that like a live news? Is that it's like well, it's a rumor from a couple of days ago. Oh, it okay. sounds really true, huh. and uh, <laughs> they just had this thing called the Saturn Awards, uh, which I'm. Are you familiar with that? I'm not. Seth, you don't if Saturn Awards. Do you Saturn hear that? Awards. No, I, I'm. I'm still in shock that we're breaking Disney news on here. <laughs> oh, we do that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know whether it's Disney, Marvel, DC. Yeah. Um, there's I mean, no place the Ad Hero podcast won't venture. All right. Oh. <laughs> so That's a scary Daredevil won for best streaming show or something like that. Uh, and Vincent D'Onofrio was there. Uh, Jeff Loeb, I believe, who's head of Marvel Television, was there. And they give a great speech and about how the show really means a lot to people mm-hmm. and about how it's uh needs a network Mm. needs a network i'm sure it'll find a home uh every good show needs a home every good show needs a home i'm sure with that kind of audience demand i'm sure some somehow some way it'll get back on there but interesting tip on streaming services so little humble brag right now as you guys know we were at cinequest for our listening audience we had uh the the honor of beginning to be a sponsor of cinequest film festival here in san jose california earlier this year, and there was a film that uh, had its premiere there called Augie, yeah. which was an augmented, a movie about a, a retiree guy, uh, Richard Kind, very fa- very famous actor, and uh, he gets forced into early retirement, so to speak, and as a parting gift, they give him a pair of augmented reality glasses, and he puts on these glasses, and this beautiful female appears, and she is like his personal confidant, right? And mm-hmm. he's ha- kind of having a midlife crisis. Not to give away the entire movie. This is all in the synopsis. Okay. But he's having like this midlife crisis because he's been forced into early retirement. And this augmented reality f- woman, who's very beautiful, uh, like kind of like gives him a new reason to live, so to speak. But it's all made up, right? Because she's not real. So there's all these things that happen. It's really well done. Well, lo and behold, we connected with the uh, director and producer, and uh, actually, specifically, took him out, and we had some some uh, some uh, libations after the film, uh, after the premiere. Really cool guys, really cool guys. And they took that film to like ten other festivals after Cinequest. It won all these awards. It just got picked up by uh, uh, Metro Goldwyn. Oh yeah! Oh wow! And it is going to be in theaters now 
and I just connected with them yesterday. So they're going to be doing an open display billboard campaign in the cities, New York, LA, different markets that's wow. going to be appearing. Wow. But here's the here's why full circle of life. When they release it in the theaters, they're going to simultaneously release it video on demand. So it's going to oh, be available on iTunes concept. and Emma- now here's the, here's the question for you guys, right? So mm-hmm. I was asking them this question. I'm going to ask you guys the same. Okay. It seems like this is the the new flavor of movie releases, tele- television show releases, mm-hmm. where specifically films, it gets the big theater release and mm-hmm. then it simultaneously is instantly available online. See, what what is your guys' take on that? Is that is that taking you saw Netflix away? is doing that right? Netflix has that right. Irishman movie. Yes, and they're actually going to put it in the theaters for three weeks before they put it on Netflix. So so open ended wow. question for everyone. I mean, does that take away from like the umph of having your movie appear in the theaters, or is no. that just is that just getting on board with the changing of the tides? I think it's probably changing the tides. It makes life a little bit easier, if anything, because mm. I mean, I I have a toddler at home. Okay, and one of my my like really deep personal joys is just going to the movies mm. on my own mm. uh, or with somebody. And I haven't, and Gino too. I mean, he's, you also got a kid, right? And, and we just haven't been watch able to, right yeah, he's watching, <laughs> he's spying on your kid. And, and so that's weird. I send my kid to the movies by himself just to get him out of the house. We stay home. And play. Wait, wait, I love going to the movies by myself. It's nothing, great. Going nothing to wrong with that. Yeah. Nothing I can't do that. it though. When I'm, you know, daddy right. duty or, or when right. I have a good, you know, we got a guy who lives with us at our house, but he's he's not like, you know, he's not going to take the right. reins watching my daughter. To answer your question, it... So the flexibility of the VOD option is good for Oh, you. I would, yeah. Love yeah, to see I guess it, it's good for me. I just don't know if it's good for the industry. I, mm. you know, Why not? I mean, people, it's still, they get residuals anyway, right? Right. All these things are syndicated out. And I agree. Right. I'm just kind of concerned because there's a strong push to bring back... Um, people to the theater. And uh, to me, I think they're doing a really good job with like redoing all these theaters, Mm -hmm. the way that they're like comfortable and everything, the big screens. But uh, I I don't know. This is all new to me. So I have to give it a few more years. I think if it comes about the viewing experience. So just a short period of time that you're in the theater, you know, now I can choose. Do I want to go one of these few weeks or just wait a couple of weeks for it to be on TV? And what I like about this is now I know when I'm going to see it on TV, whereas normally it's like this game. Like how long is, you know, the new Spider-Man going to play in the theaters before they put it, you know, streaming? Yeah, you know, that's uh, I remember it used to be like six months. And then now it's like, oh, the movie's done in theaters. And five days later, like, get on yeah. demand, you know? I, I will say on a personal note, with the clarity and the de- high definition 4K HD TVs that we can all buy now that are reasonably priced i mean they're, they're dropping right yeah you can get a 72 inch massive screen in your living room super high def and best of all personal pet peeve you don't have to worry about some idiot who bought a 20 dollars ticket and then is like <laughs> talking on their cell phone or like playing texting during the film sitting right next to you i still don't understand how opening night of a major film People will pay all that money and sit down and start texting and doing all these annoying things. That's like, <laughs> ah, stop it. I'm trying to watch the movie. So you don't have that problem if you're watching it from your house. So, well, you know, what? The, the question and actually this kind of segues into more of what Seth does. Um, and, and Seth, yeah, you, you do a lot of things oh, without spoiling at all. Um, I think we need to let him do, give, yeah, give us, you know, give us a little context. Let's so definitely do that. So about. a little bit of context for, for you guys, because uh, just so he's not a stranger. I mean, Seth, we, you and I connected probably, 
close to a year ago, I think, when when we reached out to you about your show, I Love the 90s. Yeah, um, that's right. Biggest, yeah, so since nice. then, yeah, uh, we touched base a couple of times uh, for some of your other projects, um, which, you know, I'm super interested in those, actually. I'm really interested in those. Uh, you were recently a speaker at TEDx Luxembourg, and you had some extremely in, you know, insightful and valuable things to say. So for our listeners and possible viewers, if we get this video aspect right, without me spoiling everything, could you give us a quick introduction about what it is you do, uh, what is UD Factory, and what's your superpower? <laughs> All right. It is, uh, okay, it's hard to define what I do, but I, uh, you know, I have been an artist manager, uh, produce uh, shows, live shows, promote concerts. Um, I've owned a nightclub, uh, three different restaurants. Uh, you know, I'm sort of a serial entrepreneur, really. And then I try to keep that, that you know, uh, entrepreneurial vision along, you know, aligned with my musical interests. And, you know, years ago, I was a performer. So I was a guitar player and I was a magician, believe it or not, and toured around the world doing that. And we don't discuss that generally <laughs> but um it's a dark time in my life but um uh yeah so so like right now i have two shows running in vegas i have a show called tenors of rock that's at uh planet hollywood uh it just finished up two and a half years at harris and we just moved it over about six months ago and then i have a show at uh bally's called misbehave game show and it is a oh. ridiculous crazy time uh it's like yeah it's um, I, I didn't start the show. I, I was brought in at one point to look at it and I said, okay, I only have 10 minutes though. So I have to be somewhere. And I, my wife and I were there and we stayed like 45 minutes and we had to drag ourselves out of there cause we had to leave. And it's really the most fun I've ever had watching a show. So nice. Is it, uh, is it interactive? Is it an audience interactive show? It, yeah. So if I were to describe it to you, uh, it is a show I would not want to see. So I, I like always hesitate to tell people about it. You are, you are like, you're in a room, you're, you're, pitted like your half of the room is pitted against the other half of the room so you're like teamed up with people you don't know against people you don't know or care about for points that mean nothing to get prizes <laughs> that have no value <laughs> and no matter and i don't like interactive shows like i'd rather sit back and just watch and enjoy and uh, even just as a, as a producer like i enjoy watching people and i enjoy watching you know the lights and whatever and figuring out how a show works and, uh, but this show, like even now after seeing it hundreds of times, I find myself yelling out answers to things and participating <laughs> nice. and it's a really, really fun show. And so, uh, it's one that I, I have, I have big plans for. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I still, I still manage a couple acts in the past. I've had some, some, uh, rel relatively major artists. We managed blues traveler for, uh, wow. three, four years. We all just heard the harmonica go off, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I have a bit of a visceral, visceral reaction to the harmonica myself, but uh, um, uh, we don't have enough time for those stories. Uh, the uh, uh, and then I managed uh, the plain white tees for a while. Cool. Um, I've been managing uh, Louis Prima Jr. Uh, Gino <laughs> Italian. You got to know Louis Prima. Oh yeah. So uh, uh, you know, so Louis' dad was famous Italian American singer, fifties and sixties, and Louis Louis Jr. just has an amazing band. They tour all over the country. Um, hey, Seth, can then, I can I jump can I jump in and ask you a quick quick question just out of curiosity? Sure. How, how how many years have you been out in Vegas now? Coming up on nineteen years. So in wow. nineteen years of time, what would you say? How has Vegas changed from? you know, the 1950s, 60s, 70s of Vegas that they made so many movies about 
to now like is it is it like corporate vegas now is yeah, this everything I mean, run by so, big corporations this is a tough one for me and this and you don't have enough time on this podcast for me to get into this but but i think the corporatization of vegas is is becoming its downfall and um there are just some things that you can't pro- accurately measure on a spreadsheet mm. you know there uh especially now when like there, there's something important about about any city, but I'm just going to speak about Vegas, about it maintaining its its uh, uniqueness as a destination. Right. And I think as gaming shows up all over the country, um, you know, uh, Vegas is unfortunately because of corporatization becoming homogenized. You know, we are watching a, a Target get built on the Strip right now. Hmm. We're watching. We have two Outback Steakhouses. We have a Ross Dress for Less. I mean, <laughs> you know name a city that you can't go to those in. So why would you come to Vegas for that? So, you know, I think restaurants will stand out here, uh, you know, Vegas and New York pretty much for the best restaurants in the country. But, you know, it's just like, because every piece of the city has a bottom line that they watch now, I feel like you get wallet raped from the moment you step off the plane. Uh-huh. And so you no longer have that free cash to gamble. And you no longer get that, that vibe of like going to see a free show or get a free meal or, have that cool experience you can't have anywhere else. Right. And they're doing new stuff here in entertainment. Uh, and some of it I really, really like, but I don't think they're doing anything that's new enough to drive enough customers to make a big difference. So, mm-hmm. you know, it they're is. driving enough customers to steal people from my show to go watch Lady Gaga, but not enough to bring so many more people to town that we all benefit. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know the exact numbers. I'd have to look it up, but uh, compared to let's say 10 15 years ago we've i'm guessing but we've got to have at least double the number of seats to fill in shows and we certainly don't have double the number of visitors and now they're building a stadium for the raiders and they're building another uh arena which will be our one two three four, fifth or sixth arena here mm-hmm. i mean you know and basically we're the size of san antonio at the end of the day so mm-hmm. uh you know it, it's a it's it's weird to watch i think that there's a lot that could be done to make Vegas unique, to drive traffic. And I think that, uh, and I actually believe as a music guy, I have a whole plan in my head that I don't certainly don't have enough zeros to be able to fund, but where what's happening in the music industry with record labels, I think there's a way for Vegas to get involved in sort of fixing that whole model, business model, uh, getting away from labels and getting into venue owners that are, uh, uh, developing talent well with everybody vying for these audiences um i mean how um i guess i have two questions kind of first is how do you pull your segment away you know to come and see your shows and and to benefit your business and then secondly just what are the some of the mechanisms that you you use to to do that so uh the the really honest answer is is probably that i don't exactly know because it's changing so quickly that we're all, we're trying a lot of new things. And so the way that the thing that I have that, you know, let's say live nation doesn't have when they do all these big residency shows is uh, we're scrappier and smaller. And while that's a bad thing in many cases, and sometimes it's a good thing because it's personal connection. You know, I have a team of people that goes out and meets with the concierges up and down the strip and talks to the various ticket vendors, you know, that misbehaved game show we talked about. the last year I've spent virtually zero dollars marketing it because it's a very hard show to market. It's harder to describe unless you can just throw sick money at marketing it. 
So instead, I pull back on marketing. And the people who have actually seen it, like the people who sell the tickets, love it. So they tell people when they say, what else should we see? Oh, you got to see Misbehave. It's, it's hilarious. And so that was a weird lesson, like pull back my marketing, be more successful in that show. Um, so the scrappiness helps. And something, you know, Eric, that you and I have talked about in the past is uh, when I can't blanket the city, you know, like when Gwen Stefani's here, you see the billboards everywhere, the trucks driving up and down the strip with her picture, you know, uh, Caesars puts her picture on every single casino. They don't do that for my, you know, 300 seat showroom. So how do I compete? Well, I mean, I, it's, it's a very targeted approach. It's um, when you guys deal in digital display. So, uh, you know, Friday is when, if you, check out the uh, Visitor Convention Bureau uh, statistics, Friday is when most people arrive. So between 4 p.m. and 9 p.m., I might be putting up digital billboards near the airport. Mm. And it's not the same as, as blanketing for the week, but I'm targeting when the most people arrive and trying to get them there. And then I have digital taxi tops I've done, and I've only done them during dinner rush hour. And you know, it all adds up to for a small group of people, they get multiple impressions. But a larger group of people won't see anything. Mm. so it's just sort of choosing your battles uh in the same way you would with you know online uh like programmatic marketing where it's obviously even more targeted but where you're you know you're going after a customer that you believe likes this show you do you know is is the right demographic at least is a lookalike demographic um you go over travel and tenders that are coming to vegas so we, we are trying to take the same approach in outdoor marketing that we're doing with online marketing you know, that reminds me a lot of, it sounds like a really guerrilla style. And uh, this is actually how I met Gino years ago uh, when we were both working in nightlife. And uh, I was a bouncer and Gino was that, that promoter who would just be like, hey, I'll be right back. And uh, you would disappear, buddy, and, and come back with like just groves <coughs> behind you. You know, and, and just kind of in that guerrilla, on the spot, highly targeted type of essentially marketing. I mean, you would go out and talk about what was going on at the club that night and bring people back. Yeah. So is that resonating with you? What he said from your experience? Yeah, and I learned it from Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, part of it, you know, I mean, I've always kind of had that gun ho attitude anyway. But uh, Seth, actually, I have one question for you. Do you see? Oh, actually, I guess you kind of already answered it, but let's a little bit more on it. I'd like to know the decline in young people, probably from like. 25 to like 40 coming to Vegas. Uh, it just seems like last decade from like 09 to like 2013 was like a huge heyday for that particular audience. Now I just don't see that audience going to Vegas, posting well, on social media. I think that's also a, a corporatization issue. So uh, you'll hear in meetings up and down the strip, I hear talk about millennials and attracting millennials, but you hear this happening from people who don't interact with millennials are not hands-on with social media and what's going on. And look, I have to come to the realization that I am aging out of, you know, uh, uh, knowing what's going on, but I also always like to be smart enough to know what I don't know. So I think that uh, the truth is that that audience, that millennial, millennial audience doesn't want to go to a, a show, at least not a show like we consider a show. Mm. I don't even know that they want the nightclub experience. Like they want it in the sense that it's an immersive, you know, the lights and the music and it's a great experience. I don't think they want the 
the over the top, you know, $2,000 bottle of vodka, you know, or spraying the champagne. I don't think that's what they want. So, so Vegas is just not adapting very well. Uh, I'm working on a couple of new projects that are not, uh, that are, I suppose, entertainment, but are not shows, so to speak. Like they're not, you know, buy a ticket, sit in the audience, watch a show. It's much more interactive. I'll say here immersive. I would never say the word immersive in our marketing because it's like, you know, how do you know something's not cool? It's because they tell you it's cool. Um, right. So, um, right. Yeah, you know, but I think that you have you have to adapt. Uh, and uh, I, you know, and I don't want to disparage anyone here, but you know, I see it in in meetings uh, that I'm in where the marketing, uh, the discussion about what they want to do with with the marketing, just it's like, wow, you got really don't understand like who does what on you know Instagram, do you, or or that TikTok exists, or you know, like there are these platforms they don't even know about. They're still trying to figure out Facebook. Yeah, you know, that my that my parents are on. You know, so. Um, yeah, it's, it's changed a lot. And they're also, you know, what hasn't changed in Vegas is there's a lot of noise. So figuring out how to cut through the noise is important. And so when you talk about your nightclub experience here and, you know, when I had the club, uh, I had a club called Cat House. It was at Luxor. Uh, we opened at the end of 2007 and, uh, we, uh, you know, I did that. And then, uh, right around the same time I had a haunted house that I ran at New York, New York. I forgot about this. Uh, two years in a row. It was on the bridge in front of New York, New York. Oh, wow. And that haunted house, like that was a super high traffic area. And I hired like a team of, you know, pretty girls in costumes to give out discounts. And I became convinced that I couldn't give away a $20 bill with a hot girl in a costume because people were just like, you know, it's like there's so much going on and you just want to, no, no, it's all right. I don't need that. And they just walk through and, and, you know, Vegas is just, Figuring out how to cut through the noise is a real issue here. You know, I'm, I'm working on a, you know, another idea that is, you know, how to how to access ticket buyers without confronting them with everything that's around them. How to create a more, I don't know, curated experience. You know, because I defy you to go to Vegas.com and figure out what the cool new show is or the cool new restaurant is. Like, it's just impossible. Mm. And then if you mix that with the fact that you've searched on Google and Vegas.com is just one of the places that you're getting your results from. Now it's like, how do you know? I mean, you just don't know where to go. You don't know what's good. You don't know what's, what a real deal is. Mm. So, uh, and I think that that, the everything getting overpriced here because the corporation's doing the paid parking and the resort fees and then the confusion of where to go. I just think it's all piling up to families saying, you know, it's, it'd be the same price to go to Hawaii. Let's not go to Vegas this year. And it sounds like you almost have to really get people not in Vegas, but it might actually do you well to go where it's, it's not as noisy, where, you know, like a big corporation wouldn't think to say, okay, uh, let's go advertise in like, you know, people from Ohio go to Vegas, right? So it's like, let's go advertise in the airport. Well, they do. They do a lot of feeder market advertising. And that's something that unfortunately the scale of our shows, I generally can't afford to do. We did some of that. So our, our I Love the 90s show, uh, we had more of that going on. Uh, my my partners on that were Salt and Pepper, and we had a lot of you know yeah. big artists. So we we didn't have to do as much as I originally planned on in our marketing plan because I had access to all these social media uh, uh, followers for all these different artists. We just yeah you know, we had En Vogue and uh, Mark McGrath and Sugar Ray and uh, uh, All for One Kid and Play just you know three at a time coming through. So we had access to you know they were part of our marketing arm. Um, 
but we did do some feeder market stuff, Burbank and uh, uh, up in Utah. Um, you know, Vancouver is a big feeder market for us, believe it or not. <laughs> Vancouver, wow. People coming yeah. from, uh, well, I guess that makes sense. I mean, Vegas is, is one of those world destinations, or at least in the egocentric, uh, geocentric type of the United States anyway, right? I don't know if some guy from, from like, I don't know, what, what's it out there in like the Middle East? Uh, Mumbai? No, not Mumbai. 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 That's the fun part. Yeah. I don't know if they're coming out here for Vegas being like, oh, let's check out this kind of like place with all these rules and whatnot. I mean, like we're out here in the desert, right. you know, hey, that kind of thing. I have no idea. It, it could be very, very different. But um, it's a really interesting thought, though, of how to cut through a lot of that noise. Uh, and then on top of that, the budgets and everything. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, do you have, well, is there any chance that I Love the 90s might be coming back at all? I mean, I think there's a, there is a chance. Uh, so um, what am I allowed to say? Um, <laughs> I... I had a, uh, a terrible investment partner on the show and ended up having to dump a lot of my own money into that while I tried to raise other money and get, you know, uh, yeah, bring new money in. And we, we, it didn't pull together the way I wanted it to. So we decided to just run it for two months as like a, I'll call it a test run. And I didn't get all the attendance I wanted in terms of gross quantities, but what it was was a great test of the uh, acquisition cost of a customer. Mm. So oh, wow. we acquired customers at 40% the cost of what I would norm- what I was projecting to spend. So if I extrapolate that, I just feel like this show would, would do gangbusters business. And, um, but I also, look, Vegas has changed a lot in the last, uh, couple years and I used to budget my shows to break even in three to six months and then start you know gaining ground and I I just don't think that's the market anymore I think it's too saturated it's too difficult you have to be able to bleed for a year or two Hmm. and uh outlast that before you start turning things around and there are a couple of producers out there that are really doing it right and um I just you know don't have the depth of pockets to do it like I want to do it for that show it's an expensive show so we're working on a whole fundraising campaign for that now just to, uh, to really come at it correctly. I don't want to screw this one up. All right on. Um, we're going to get ready to wrap it up here, but uh, I wanted to ask you a question, and then let me know if this is off limits, because uh, I, I saw your TED Talk, uh, which was just awesome. If, if people haven't seen it, you really got to go and check it out. I'll make sure to put a link to that in the show notes. Right. Yeah, um, please, please do, because if it has a pitiful number of views, like it, if it gets a lot of views, it's like this amazing thing you did. But if it gets, you know, 10 views, it's like, hey, that was pretty terrible. <laughs> well, the, you kind of downplay. I mean, you got a pretty good amount of views on there. People, you guys got to see this thing. So let me know if it's off limits. But just heading into our wrap up here, I wanted to ask you, um, you mentioned that you, your company had been hit with some, some pretty nasty ransomware at one point. Oh yeah. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. We talked about that. You called me once. Uh, yeah, we had, uh, it's bizarre. Uh, and the timing was awful. Uh, we had our server attacked and it, and the part of the server they got to was where we hosted all our QuickBooks, uh, files. And you know, when you, every show has a separate company, it's a separate file. And we had, uh, clients of ours, management clients that we had files for So everything got attacked. They asked us for $100,000 to unlock our, our files. Hmm. And of course, first of all, no. 
Second of all, you have no guarantee they're going to unlock it. And third, you have no guarantee they're not going to just come in again and do exactly the same thing. So uh, it took months. We're still still rebuilding them because it was so expensive to do. And uh, and one of those one of those files was we we had this uh, show that hired us to manage it, and the show closed, and they owe us a lot of money. Awesome, the TED Talk. Um, uh, they owe us hundreds of thousands of dollars still, but we were trying to get it wrapped up. And in order to like deal with legal proceedings around that, like I needed to provide the financials and it just sounded so fishy when they're like, well, you know, if that's the case, give us the numbers. I'm like, uh, we're rebuilding them now because this happened. And I don't think anyone believed us, but literally yesterday I was getting, still getting emails from my bookkeeper, uh, on the last company she's finally rebuilding so that we can get caught up on all our taxes and all that stuff. Yeah, it was awful. Wow. So it sounds like, I mean, between that, between the new changes Nightmare. out in Vegas, uh, a, a younger crowd who I think is much more easily distracted, you know, shiny object syndromes left and right. Um, and then your own tactic, you know, with um, kind of the, the, the on-the-ground guerrilla marketing, um, using programmatic. It, it seems like, I guess the hot take there would be that, that people really have to start figuring out a way to slice through things. It's almost like you can't afford to um, essentially spray and pray with the marketing yeah. there. I think there was a, for a while here, and probably in any industry, there was a formula. You know, if you, you know, I remember, you know, 15 years ago, if you bought, you know, 400 cab tops to market on and, you know, uh, X number of billboards and, you know, depending on the size of your showroom, you could just go out there and sell your tickets. And now you just can't do that. It's just, it's, uh, I don't mean to sound so doom and gloom about it all, but you know, what it really is, is I, I took a bit of a beating in, in business this last year. What it's caused me to do is to rethink how I'm doing everything. So I'm very hesitant to do more of the same, even if I do it better. What I'm trying to do is get the foundation under me to change the way my tickets are sold, to change the way I'm uh, funding my shows, to change you know, all these business fundamentals that as a producer, you don't usually focus on because you're so focused on the quality of the performance, uh, how attractive the marketing is, you know, it's, there's, uh, yeah, it's weird. And I'm dealing with it and I know we have to go, but I'm dealing with it in the music industry. Also, we have a development artist, a band named Silver Sage, spectacular band. Uh, they just opened for One Republic. They're doing all the stuff. The songs are amazing, but you know, there's no, like, you know, we talked to a label a couple of weeks ago and it's like, you always, you know, I want the label deal. Let's get the label deal. But you don't really want the label deal because that's not really how a band is successful. That's how a band kind of gets trapped now and, uh, or shelved. And so figuring out those steps, like it's, it's exciting, but it's, it's scary and frustrating too. Yeah. I'm hoping we have a, a good war story to tell about that band, but you know, we might not. I'm going to have to try to put that in the show notes. I'll remember to check them out in just a few, uh, but man, Seth, it's been a blast. Thank you for joining us and Thank sharing that. Thank you very that. much, guys. Yeah, it's, uh, I had some ideas out in Vegas and there's some things I want to talk to you about later on, but uh, that's going to be a much more considered plan now. So, <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. All right. Yeah, but uh, with that, uh, I had one last question for you right before we go. Yes, sir. Favorite superhero. Favorite superhero? Yep. I mean, I'm a Batman fan because <laughs> I, I like i like the everyman part of it dark night dark night oh yeah he's crazy um we'll talk about that later but again thank you very much and for anyone listening possibly watching uh this has been the ad hero podcast if you're interested in connecting with seth we'll make sure to have 
uh, all sorts of, um, all the ways you can reach him in our show notes. Uh, but for the audio, Seth, how can people best reach out to you? I mean, uh, best on, I mean, uh, you hit my, hit my website, udfactory.com. Uh, but I'm pretty active on Twitter, the Twitters and, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn. I mean, I, you know, I'm trying to, uh, take care of, uh, getting thoughts and information out there. Perfect. So. Awesome. <laughs> well, right on everybody. This has been another episode of the ad hero podcast. Uh, if you want to connect with us, just find us at handle ad hero podcast. Um, if you want to get in touch with me, Matthew Gino, uh, you can find our contact information in the show notes. And uh, if you're interested in doing any kind of digital billboard advertising, uh, you can definitely reach out to any one of us or go to opendisplay.com and uh, have fun with that or check out the company AdSymbol at uh, adsymbol.com. All right. So with that, guys, uh, this is signing off. Signing off. Yeah. See you guys next time. (laughs) Thanks for checking us in. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to another episode of the Ad Hero Podcast. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend, family member, or a weird coworker down the hallway. We're easy to reach if you want to get in touch with us on social media at Handle AdSemble. That's A-D-S-E-M-B-L-E. Also, you can join our Ad Hero community on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Ad Hero. Thank you.